0: Women are barraged with a never-ending parade of wellness pitches and trendy health advice, some of which may be questionable or confusing. This is Roland Wilkerson with Novant Health Healthy Headlines. So as part of an occasional series, we're fact-checking what's out there to help consumers make smart choices. And today, we're back with Dr. Genevieve Browning of Novant Health. We'll talk about cleanse diets, probiotics, melatonin for sleep, and organic makeup. We'll kick off this short podcast with a discussion of jade rollers, which some proponents have said help reduce facial puffiness. You'll hear Dr. Browning use the phrase lymphatic drainage. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, Jade rolling... Um, I'd never heard of this jade rolling to increase, uh, uh, I guess, skin drainage. Uh, um, does it work?
1: Yeah. So um, uh, jade rolling, you know, basically you you roll this um, jade stone over the skin. People use it on the face, in particular, to promote lymphatic drainage. So any time you press on the skin um, or move over the surface of the skin, it quote-unquote, improves lymphatic drainage. So you can use your fingertips to improve lymphatic drainage. Actually, self, um, self-lymphatic self drainage is something that we teach patients to do who have lymph drainage, drainage issues. For example, mm. you've had um, lymph nodes removed in the armpit after breast cancer surgery, and you don't have good lymph flow. We will um, train people how to promote lymph flow um, by using self-massage. So it is true that putting pressure in the right way on the skin can improve lymphatic drainage i suspect the jade roller is definitely much more decorative and pretty um, to to drain the lymph with but it's not a necessary tool you could you know just as easy use a little rolling pin or something or your fingertips Um, it's very easy to do self-lymphatic massage light pressure it's about the pressure that you would need to hold a coin to the to um, against a wall. That's about the pressure you need to put to create lymph drainage. Um, so whatever tool you'd like to use to do that um, is just fine. I suppose, Jade, is, is a pretty tool.
0: Um, is melatonin a good uh, sleep aid for occasional use? And what about uh, occasional versus constant?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of research actually on melatonin, the research um, would say that melatonin can be um, very effective for some people um, to help them fall asleep and stay asleep um, the uh, the research that we have does not show any major adverse um, issues with occasional use um, but there's no long-term research on melatonin again because melatonin hasn't been around in the form of a, of a supplement for long enough enough for us to know what's gonna happen if you use melatonin every single night for 15 years. Um, We don't know. Is it possible that it could have some long-term effect in our brain that increases dementia or, we don't know because the product has not been around long enough. So I think common sense tells me um, that it would be best to use that intermittently if possible and try to find something with good long-term safety data for sleep um, if you can. Um, I don't think we have any evidence that we know of a long-term adverse effect. It's just the product hasn't been around long enough. Um, I will also say about melatonin that the biggest misuse of melatonin that I see is that melatonin takes about two to three hours to peak in your system. So when you take melatonin, you're not gonna be tired 15 minutes later because it takes about two hours to get to its dose. You need to take melatonin hours before you go to bed if you want it to work, otherwise you're gonna say, melatonin doesn't work for me because you didn't give it the right timing. So that's the major problem I find with people who don't respond to melatonin is that they haven't been um, told how to use it properly and so they don't get the, the maximum benefit out of it.
0: So, what about um, severe cleanse-style diets where you radically restrict what you eat for two to three days—lemon juice and cayenne pepper kind of things—the idea to remove toxins from your system? And some people say they feel better. Mm-hmm. From a medical standpoint, what's your advice on that?
1: So, I, um, from a medical standpoint, I think there's pros and cons of doing, you know, a, a several-day cleanse. Um, the the pros of doing a several-day cleanse is that most cleanses would have you not eating and drinking things that are bad for you from a medical point of view. So I like the idea of going for two to three days slash the rest of your life without having refined sugars and processed foods and, um, and because those things are not good for your health. So when people eliminate those things from their diet, I think often they feel better because they don't realize how bad they felt from the bad foods that they were eating Um, so i think the the pro of a cleanse is is not being under the effect of some of the bad foods and drinks that we consistently have the downside of a cleanse is that it's essentially a state of fasting and so um, you're going to have all the initial signs and symptoms of a fasting state, so that will be your blood pressure will go down, your blood sugar will go down. If you're somebody who takes blood pressure medication and, and normally your blood pressure runs high but now it runs low, well it's gonna be really, really low and that may create significant issues. If you're somebody who has diabetes and your sugar is typically high and now it's normalized by not eating much during this cleanse and then you take your blood sugar medicine, your blood sugar is going to be too low, that can be really dangerous. So if you're somebody who's taking prescription medications, you need to be really careful about um, doing an abrupt alteration in your intake um, because those medications are going to be working in a completely different environment than they were before your cleanse. the things that people use during their cleanse, like, you know, lemon juice and cayenne, or grapefruit cleanse, or all these other different things. I mean, I my personal opinion is those things are just there to kind of entertain you while you're fasting, essentially. <laughs> um, so they entertain the taste buds, or the brain, or give you something to focus on while you basically don't eat for, for a couple of days. Um, and, you know, I think, in general, those things can be can be done fairly safely for the right person. Um, but I don't think that there's any research based merit in um, specifically like lemon and cayenne cleanse.
0: What about the whole notion that you need to have a special process or a special diet for removing quote unquote toxins from your system?
1: So your body is, is, has a impressive toxin removal process. Um, and that toxin removal process essentially happens in very basic ways that we all are very familiar with. Number one, sweating. so your body gets rid of things through sweat, it gets rid of certain chemicals, it gets rid of um, oils, it gets rid of different things through the sweat glands and we're well programmed to eliminate in that way um, Peeing and pooping that's how we get you know a lot of toxins out so your liver is the main detoxifier. If there's toxins in your blood, they go through the liver. Um, the liver grabs them, dumps them into the gut, and then we eliminate them. There, there is no real additional way to get rid of, of toxins or make them come out. They have to go through the natural processes. Um, the, the best thing you can do to detoxify yourself is stop ingesting toxins. Um, so if you want to be less toxic, then expose yourself to less toxins and your body will do its normal process. Um, you can't really speed up the rate of detoxification, um, but you can affect the rate of, of toxification. Um, most of us you know, get our toxins through um, pollutants, through our foods, through, through the chemicals that we put on our skin. So reducing your overall toxin exposure that way is the quickest way to get the toxin level down in your body versus trying to alter the elimination process.
0: So just watch what you eat and what you put on yourself.
1: Exactly, exactly. If you can half the exposure, you don't need to worry about the rate of elimination. Um, you're gonna do hmm. way more long-term good um, by reducing how much load your body has to work to eliminate.
0: And not starving yourself for three days.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Um, so. Probiotics seem to be showing up in everything for gut health. Um, should the average person of good health be considering these products?
1: This is, the, the research is out, really. The, the firm opinion on pros and cons of, of probiotics is not completely nailed down yet. Um, we do there's proven benefits to probiotics in certain situations for example antibiotic associated diarrhea there's good research that shows that the use of certain probiotics um, after taking antibiotics will help to rebalance the gut and reduce diarrhea that can come from antibiotics um, and there's there's research studies that show that and um, what we don't have proof of is that if there's nothing wrong with you you have no symptoms you don't have diarrhea you don't have belly aches you don't have bloating um, and you just take probiotics just to because you think they're good for you we don't have any evidence that just taking probiotics is making you a healthier person or is going to reduce your chance of getting some other disease down the road Um, i what i encourage in my patients is If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So if you don't have something going on with your digestive tract um, or some other medical issue or complaint or symptom or concern, don't start adding a bunch of probiotics to the system because you may develop a complaint or concern. Some people don't digest probiotics. Well, they cause belly pain, they cause diarrhea. Um, So if if there's not a symptom or something bothering you, then, then you don't need probiotics added into the system for a regular healthy person. Um, if there is something that's bothering you, you have um, chronic abdominal pain issues and, um, and and you wanna try a probiotic and you notice that that probiotic seems to suit you well and has helped the issues that you have, then I think that there's no reason that you can't use that. There's no uh, adverse safety issue or something that it's gonna hurt you. If it helps you feel better, great, you can use it. Um, but just for everybody to just use probiotics um, medicinally, there's no evidence that that's gonna do anything um, great for you. The best way to to grow healthy bacteria in your intestine um, is to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. So when you take a probiotic, you get a limited change in the bacteria in your intestine, which is then gone after you poop out the probiotic. So it's just there for a moment you can actually alter the balance of bacteria in your own intestine very easily through ingesting healthy foods. So you're better off to promote your own healthy bacterial balance by eating the right foods um, and not eating the wrong foods, in particular sugar, which really gets the the gut flora out of balance, um, than really artificially supplementing it, which is kind of a short-term fix that we really need to be fixing through diet.
0: So, just laying off sugar can help your daily gut.
1: Huge. So, the the some of the bad offenders that live in the gut, such as um, different yeasts, um, they they love sugar. That's just like a, a snack bar for them. So, they reproduce really quickly when there's a lot of sugar in the diet and, and that affects the balance. There's supposed to be a natural balance of healthy bacteria, healthy yeast, those types of things that live in the gut. And so if you, if you just constantly feed the, the yeast their favorite food, but you don't feed the healthy bacteria their favorite food, like fruits and vegetables, then obviously who's gonna grow more? The bad guys. So if you keep feeding them, feeding them, feeding them, and you starve off your healthy bacteria, um uh then you're obviously after a long period of time going to be out of balance and develop a variety of symptoms um but again the the best way to fix that is to fix it through diet and you can you can fix that rapidly so something like yeast can only live for about 48 hours without sugar so you know people will do lots of yeast cleanses or candida diets and all these supplements and stuff, but if you just don't eat sugar for two days, the yeast basically die because they can't live without any nutrition. Um, And so these things can all be fixed with healthy diet Um, and and the turnover is is quick. So you can fix them pretty quickly with healthy diet, but they'll flip right back if you don't maintain the healthy diet.
0: Are all natural or organic uh, cosmetic products are they are they better for you
1: so I would love this topic because um, there's so much information coming out about the chemicals that are in a lot of our skincare products a lot of our cosmetics our shampoos our lotions um, there's clear evidence that some common chemicals may have hormonal effect especially when they're used repeatedly and when they're used you know it's in your lotion, it's in your soap, it's in your shampoo, and it's in your face cream. So you're getting a fairly decent dose of exposure to certain things. For example, parabens. We know that parabens may have some hormonal effect. In very, very small quantities, we think that hormonal effect is negligible. The question is, are we actually exposed to very small quantities if we're using those things every single day? For example, lotioning up you know your entire body surface um, or your entire scalp um, with something Uh, the skin is very um, it's it's our largest organ it absorbs things very rapidly um, and prolonged exposure to those hormonally active chemicals may have effect that research is is ongoing but there's definitely research to suggest that hormonally active chemicals can have um, effects on us medically. Um, so I personally do think that avoiding known hormonally active chemicals in our skincare products is extremely important. With that said, a lot of all natural organic products um, have um, essential oils, um, you know, such as lavender oil or rosemary oil to use as a natural fragrance. Um, and they also have natural oils such as shea butter or olive oil. Natural oils, um, although they don't have the hormonal risk that some chemicals can have, are quite potent um, and people can be allergic to those things. And so I, I've often seen people develop allergic reactions and they'll say, well, I don't, it can't be my um, deodorant because I use all natural deodorant. Well, all natural deodorant doesn't mean you can't have an allergic reaction. You can be allergic to Um, you know, rosemary oil. You can be allergic to tea tree oil. Um, Tea tree oil is a great example of an all natural um, product that's in a lot of skincare things that's extremely potent and can be very abrasive. And so those things, I think, from a hormonal perspective are better, um, but it doesn't mean you can't have an allergic reaction to them or be sensitive to them. It doesn't mean safe um, 100% of the time. Um, So, we can still, you know, they still may not be the right product for you.
0: In an earlier podcast looking at CBD oil, charcoal infused products, and other trends, Dr. Browning made an excellent point that bears repeating. The more we focus on eating right, the less we need to worry about experimenting with supplements or engaging in other therapies supposedly reverse or mitigate whatever we've done to ourselves in the first place. Or as she so practically put it in this discussion, the best way to detoxify yourself is to stop introducing toxins in the first place. Hard to argue with that. And so, take a moment if you can to review this podcast and email healthyheadlinesatnovonhealth.org with your questions to Dr. Browning. With a little luck, we'll turn it into a podcast.
1: Thanks for listening.